Welcome to the Three P's of Cancer podcast, where we'll discuss prevention, preparedness, and progress in cancer treatments and research. Brought to you by the University of Michigan Rogel Cancer Center. I'm Scott Redding. We're here with Betsy DePerry to talk about those what I wished I'd known questions and concerns in diagnosed with cancer. Betsy is a 15-year survivor of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. She lives in Ann Arbor, has shared her story through a year-long series in the local paper, helped produce a PBS series on cancer, and written two books, her most recent, Adventures in Cancerland. In her daily life, she owns a home-building company with her husband and even built a condo building naming it after her oncologist. Now on to the important stuff. When you first heard you had cancer, what, what went through your mind? I think my mind just stopped. Um, I was actually on US-23 when a, an emergency room doctor that I'd seen the weekend before called and said that he suspected cancer. And I literally pulled off the side of the road and just sat there. Um, I might as well have been hit by a Mack truck. And by the time I actually saw an oncologist at the university about a week later, hearing those words were no longer, we suspect cancer, it's you have cancer. So it was even really worse. Um, your life just stops. Well, it sounds like through that whole process, there's a lot of whirlwind emotions and uh, probably felt a little bit numb. Um, so is there anything that you maybe wish you had asked the doctor or, um, or questions that maybe you shouldn't ask? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, I didn't have any idea what to ask. And I, I think as most people don't when they go in, um, initially at least. And the one question that I really wanted to know was how long I have to live. And that, that was really the overriding question above and beyond anything. And I think that was really the wrong question because there's not a doctor alive who can tell you that. So I would say take that question off the table. It's not the right one to ask. You know, talk about treatment. Talk about what, what your options are. Um, at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of reason to be very hopeful even with a cancer diagnosis. Um, treatments have come so far, and there's so many of us out there who are living longer and living healthy lives. And so I would say take that question off the table initially. So you'd mentioned uh, some of the things to maybe focus on is, you know, kind of what your treatments are, what what options there are. You know, what was there anything that you found helpful during your, your treatment, or was there anything that uh, helped comfort you to... Um, to help you? <laughs> sleep, lots of sleep. <laughs> um, aside from that, I would say that no matter how many people you have around you, cancer can be very lonely. And for me, a, a wonderful comfort was the support group that was up at the hospital at the time. And I found a great deal of comfort in hearing from other people who were going through the same thing that I was going through or had been through it. Um, so it, it helped me to feel that I wasn't alone with these, you know, various side effects or especially my emotions. So, you know, face-to-face -face support groups are fewer and farther between than they were back then when I was in, in treatment. But online, there's so many places that you really can get help. 
um, you know, and just share your stories and, you know, or even if you don't want to share yours, just listen to others. And I think it does help to, to diminish that loneliness. So non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, it's, it's more of a, a blood cancer. And, you know, we hear more um, about breast and prostate and right. what they ca- call solid tumor right. um, cancers. What kind of treatment um, options, um, you know, are there for blood cancers or, or were, were some of the treatments that you had? Well, actually, I entered a clinical trial. And at the time, uh, again, this is, gosh, 16 years ago, um, my options were far more limited than they are today. So I started out on a in a vaccine trial whereby I would do chemotherapy and then a vaccine six months later. Um, but I bombed out of the trial because the chemo wasn't working. But that sort of leads me into, if I may mention, a little plug for clinical trials. Sure. Um, I think that clinical trials will give you an option that you may not otherwise have. And sometimes these are the very latest and greatest treatments that aren't otherwise available. So I would always recommend asking your doctor if any clinical trials might be appropriate um, because it is a way to get some of these latest medications, latest treatments. So um, you said you bombed out the one clinical trial. So tell <laughs> us about, did you do another one? or No, there were no other clinical trials that were appropriate for me. So I went into standard chemotherapy and was supposed to have eight rounds of, of the chemotherapy. And my cancer just continued to grow. Um, the chemotherapy wasn't working. And um, so I it had to be stopped halfway through. And I always laugh and say, chemotherapy did a lot of things it was supposed to do. It made me a couch potato. It sent me to the hospital for numerous vacations. It threw... It, popped out my hair, but it just didn't kill the cancer. So at the end of the day, um, a new treatment became available literally in the nick of time, and it's called radioimmunotherapy. It behaves differently, or it attacks the cancer differently than chemotherapy. And so that's what ultimately saved me. And um, so here I am 15 years later. So I would say to everybody, don't give up. Um, I can tell you that There was a time during that year, through everything that I went through, that I really didn't know that I was going to make it. And I remember one day literally collapsing on the floor of my closet, just sobbing, and not necessarily completely giving up hope, but wondering if I should really get my will updated and you know, it, it just all the things that you need to do before you die. And that was probably the worst day. And my doctors, the nurses, they literally never, ever, not once, ever gave up on me. And that was hugely helpful. Um, there was always something to keep me, keep me going. And so, again, you know, I would say... Don't give up hope. Um, believe, you know, keep keep going. 
show up, take those treatments as miserable as, <laughs> as they are. Uh, that That's our job. So it sounds like you, um, you know, were originally diagnosed um, through U of M and you continue to care at U of M. Right. Um, was there uh, any thought of looking somewhere else, going online and looking at stuff, you know, what you maybe find on Google or searching or, you know, what, what ultimately made you stick with U of M? You know, it's interesting that you asked that <clears throat> because prior to my diagnosis, my husband has lived in Ann Arbor since he went to school here. I came here. Um, when I married him, so I'm not the old Ann Arborite. But that said, even though we lived here and drove past the hospital and the cancer center, we truly knew nothing about it. Um, Fortunately, we had never needed to know anything about it. So when I was diagnosed, um, my husband literally took the bull by the horns and he was going to find the best place for me to be treated if it meant going to who knows where. And he started doing all of this research and it kept coming back to Michigan. And one day he actually called one of the very large organizations, cancer organizations, and I happened to be with him. And he asked that question, where's the best place? And the woman on the other end of the line said, where are you located? And he said, I'm in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And she paused for a moment and she said, you have one of the finest oncology programs in the country. Why would you go anywhere else? And we were sitting in the office and we looked at each other and went, oh, well, okay. So that's why we stayed at Michigan. And um, there were certainly a lot of people who gave us the confidence that this really was the best place to be. And as it turned out, it really was. I, I am truly convinced because of the timing of my treatment and the timing of the availability of the treatment and the fact that my doctor happened to develop the treatment, mm-hmm. I am truly convinced that given my illness and knowing what I know, I probably would not be alive had I not been here. Everything just converged to make it happen. So it sounds like your husband did uh, some research he online, did. and 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 he kept coming back to to this. Um, but you know, there is so much information out mm-hmm. on online about yes. different things. I mean, I, I've looked up certain things, and it's like, oh, maybe I've got this, this, or this, and it's just like, oh no, I just have a sore back. Right. Um, but you know, are there, um, you know things from people who might be searching online that, that maybe might be good to look for that maybe aren't in Ann Arbor and don't necessarily have the access to some of the care. Right. Well, I think that Dr. Google is not necessarily the best doctor. So I would say that if clearly we're all going to search online, um, but watch where you search, where does that information come from? Um, one of the things that I would say to pe- to people, there are two very good sources that I found helpful and, and that are still, have even gotten better these days. Um, the first is the National Comprehensive Cancer Network. It's nccn.org. And that's a coalition of, gosh, I'm not sure how many hospitals now. 
I think are it's up to 20, 20 something, three, maybe, maybe I think it was about 21 when I was yeah. diagnosed, but yeah, but these are the very top experts in the field and they get together and they come up with what, what's the best recommendations and patients, caregivers, family can get on that site, go through it. It's a wealth of really good, accurate, up-to-date information. And I would say if anybody is listening to this and happens to be out even in a community hospital, you know, that's information you can take to your doctor and, and talk with him or her about. So the second thing I think that's really important is understanding what I call medical ease. Um, those 36-syllable words that unless you went to medical school or a science have a science background, all these big words come at us and we have no idea what they mean. Well, along um, with all the acronyms, too, that oh they probably my gosh. spew out. <laughs> it's like, what? So you can have much more meaningful discussions with your doctor if you can at least speak the language. So... Two things, I would say never be afraid to ask what something means. And, you know, some people are better at, at conveying or, or simplifying that than others. Um, but there's also a really good source. It's called MedlinePlus.gov. And it's basically a medical dictionary online. And it takes the most complex words and it really puts it into very easy to understand lay language. And I went there and looked up one word at a time and was able to really understand. So those are two sources I think could be really helpful. But see, how has being a cancer survivor changed you from the person you were before your diagnosis to where you are now? Oh, that's a good question, Scott. Um, I don't know that necessarily I'm any different. Um, I... I think that we're the sum of our experiences, all of them, the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout our lives. The one thing that cancer did for both me and my husband is that it truly gave context to compassion. Um, prior to cancer, to be perfectly honest with you, we'd been so healthy, um, we'd never really seen that much human suffering. Um, and seeing it up close and personal, going up to the cancer center, sitting in the chemo room, you know, talking to the other patients and their families, seeing the kids, oh my gosh, those kids, um, and their parents, it, it, it I, I saw so much resilience, so much true caring from perfect strangers. So I think that's, again, given context to the meaning of compassion. And hopefully we've been able to pay that forward a little bit, hopefully. Before we kind of get to the end, I, I kind of want to go back to something I mentioned at the, the very beginning. Um, and, and I alluded to you um, and your husband building a condo building and naming after <laughs> your oncologist. Uh, yes. You know, what? What? Why, why name it after him? <laughs> Well, I, there were a number of reasons, actually. It, it started out as a little bit silly, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, it's at, it's on Liberty, um, and there were just too many buildings with the name Liberty. And my husband jokingly said to me, well, you could name it The Mark. It sounds like a very elegant name, and you could name it after your favorite oncologist. 
And I said, oh, that's a great idea. So as we really thought about it, we thought, we actually realized that in many cases, buildings are named after people for their achievements. And while my own oncologist clearly saved my life and developed a drug that has saved thousands of others, um, I think that sometimes the researchers don't get the recognition that they truly deserve. And here in Ann Arbor, there are people every day working to prolong and save lives and make our lives healthier. This is what they do. And that is so impressive to me. And so we just wanted to give a little shout out, to give a little recognition to that achievement and to all of that hard work. So that's the, that's the real story. It's a, it's a nice story. And I'm sure that um, um, he, along with many other researchers, appreciate that, that extra recognition. Well, I hope so. They certainly deserve it. Well, just kind of uh, as we're, we're wrapping things up, let's let's kind of, you know, maybe recap and maybe give some final advice. And, and one thing I, I think I, I would like to ask you about as well through this is, you know, your husband seemed to be pretty much involved from, from day one. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, what what do you feel as far as the importance of uh, caregivers or um, a, a very much a close support group, as well as uh, any other additional advice uh, for uh, newly diagnosed patients? It, it It is crucial to have a, a good, strong support system. I, I don't know what I would have done without my husband. Um, the one thing that I would say is, to this day, we still debate on who had the harder time, him or me. And I think he did, and he thinks I did. And the reason that I think he did is because all the focus was on me. And he had the burden of running the business every day, dropping everything when I needed to get to a hospital, um, dealing with my emotions, trying to deal with his own emotions and keep me hopeful at the same time. All I had to do was sleep on the couch a whole lot and show up and take a bunch of terrible drugs. So we still debate on that. And and I think for caregivers, I would say that your role is, is so important and so appreciated appreciated. Um, but be also careful to take care of yourselves. And so that's one piece of advice I would certainly have for caregivers. And for, for newly diagnosed patients, I would say what I said before is I know that it's awfully hard, especially in the beginning, um, to just believe that there's hope. Um, there are millions of us, literally, who have heard those words, you have cancer. We've gone through some things that we never thought that we could go through. You're stronger than you believe um, or may think you are, but you can get through this. And don't ever give up hope. There's always something to be hopeful for. Well, great. Well, I appreciate the, the time, Betsy, and uh, glad that you know, you're, you've been a, obviously a very long-time survivor and yes. that you continue to to thrive. Um, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you for listening. And tell us what you think of this podcast by rating and reviewing us. If you have suggestions for additional topics, you can send them to cancercenter at med.umich.edu or message us on Twitter at umrogalcancer. 
You can continue to explore the three P's of cancer by visiting rogocancercenter.org.